Well, welcome this morning to Spruce Grove Community Church. As you can see, we're missing about uh, half our church in terms of the ladies being away at the, the women's retreat. They're coming back this afternoon, but also we've got a team in Uganda. But hey, uh, there's, a, there's a good representation. Congratulations to those dads who one Sunday a year do what your wives do, you know, every other Sunday. <laughs> Bless you all. Yeah, pats on the back all around for making it. I am so excited. I mean, there's two things that are exciting me right now. One is some great praise reports from the women's retreat. I mean, I'm believing for breakthrough. And right now, I want us to pray. Oh, Joshua Langeman is here. Hallelujah. Woo. Somebody just made disparaging comments about you. I, yeah, we retract them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But I want us to pray as the women are wrapping things up this morning. Uh, there's, there's great things happening. And so let's pray. Let's pray. And if you want to put, reach your hands toward them. Father, in Jesus' name, we just bless the ladies in Nakaman. God, we say in Jesus' name, Lord, invade the space where they are. Let this be a time of breakthrough. God, of foundational shift in lives. Lord, we say in Jesus' name, let the paradigms of faith change and shift in their lives. Lord, we say in Jesus' name, great, 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 great breakthrough. Amen, amen, amen. But also, I'm excited about what I feel is a level of the kingdom of God that we are beginning to experience and walk in as a body. You know, I believe that the answer is never the amount of darkness, that it's not a lessening of the darkness that is, is, that is the answer for us. It's always an increase of light because darkness will always respond to the presence of light. And it's darkness only exists because of the absence of light. So as the body of Christ, as we actually move into higher levels of the knowledge of God, in higher levels into what is already available to us, then the darkness can do nothing except bow, except bow, except bow, except bow. And Father, we pray today that the reality of the authority, the implicit authority that is in light, God, would become ours, that, Lord, we'll know Father, that this is the answer, that more of you, and even though, Lord, we've, been, we've tasted and seen that you are good, we want to taste more, and we want to know more. So, Father, in Jesus' name, today, raise the level of our expectation, our sight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him. Well, praise God. Um, I have something to share with you today. And uh, so on Friday morning, I had an experience, and it's qualitatively higher than perhaps any other experience I've had in the kingdom of God. And I want to throw this out there because of this, because that to say this, that your faith is on a trajectory of increase. And if you have ever tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I want you to know that there's more. That no matter how much of God that you've experienced, there's more to be experienced. 
And so, you know, we want to get away from that mindset that, you know what, this, this is it. You know, I've been around a long time. And you know what, secretly that mindset creeps in, right? When, you, when you've been a Christian a long time and you're not, you're, you're not ex- experiencing new highs, you sort of begin to rationalize that, oh, this is the way it is. I guess, you know, from now on, I just have to be obedient. But Paul says this in Philippians. He says, to the degree that you've attained, let us so walk, right? He says, listen, oh, yeah, be faithful. Walk in the breadth of the knowledge of God that you've received. Walk in the obedience that's required by what you understand about the kingdom of God thus far. But he goes on also at the same time to say this. I don't consider myself to be done. But this one thing I do, I press toward the mark of the high calling. And so the high calling is not just an experience I'm going to have, but an effectiveness that comes out of an experience that I have. And so God has called you, yeah, to another level of the presence of God, but not just so you can say, well, me, the thrill seeker, have obtained another you know, Shundai moment, but so that suddenly the effectiveness of my life is magnified through the fact that more of God has been absorbed into my being. And so this is the trajectory we are on. But what it's doing for me is I'm beginning to see more and more and more that this one thing is what counts, that more of God in my life. To taste and see, to lean into him, to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. And so uh, as we move into this word today, I want to share some things with you. I don't usually talk about finances, but I don't usually talk that much about finances. But it's not really about finances. It just touches the realm of finances. I'm going to move this aside so you can have a more of a space here. But I've called the message this. Uh, I'm, I'm not usually good with titles, so I thought, you know, what can I... I actually know what I want to say today, not like last week or the week before, the week before, the week before. Um, but this morning, uh, I began to meditate because there was probably about six themes that really came up on Friday that were significant, really significant things. But I began to see this one, and I'm calling it seeing through the veil, seeing through the veil. Now, I've already mentioned this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.18 and goes into chapter 5 and in the beginning of chapter 5 where he talks about we have this house not made with hands, that, that we don't have to worry about when this body is done, we have another body, you know, and so... And so, but he he leads into that by saying this. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And I want to start right there, is that that what you have fundamentally as a believer is not a moral system. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. What you have is a capacity to see an invisible realm. When you got born again, something was awakened inside of you to be able to interact with the invisible realm. Spiritual maturity is the ability to engage with that realm 
And for that realm to become increasingly mm, familiar, but increasingly real. To the, well, how real can it become? To the point where the fabric of this realm is begin to be seen as the thing that's less real than that one. And because that's the fact. And we know that scripture from Hebrews where uh, in the faith chapter where he says, by faith we know that the worlds were formed by that, by, by that which is not seen and exists out of that, that realm that is unseen. And so there's a faith in us that's beginning to see, and we're, we're kind of moving from this one to this one. And it's kind of like, if you want to use that analogy from that Matrix movie, it's kind of like the realization that you, you've come out of one world into this world, and you thought this world was real, but you begin to realize, no, this is the real world. And as Neo keeps going back and forth between these two worlds, he begins to realize, he begins to see through the fabric of the temporary world and begins to see that it's completely dependent upon the other one. So here's what I'm saying, is that your ability to reach through the veil is, is predicated upon faith. And faith is seeing through the veil. When you actually see that the construct of this present realm that seems so, you know, so permanent, so real, you know, we interact with it and it's, it just, it's where we, it's our default setting but the more we go in, the more we experience heaven, the more we realize, oh, this is the one that's not really real. Now, it's not re- when I say not real, I'm not saying not real in the sense it doesn't exist and you could just sort of deny it in your mind like a Christian scientist or something like that and just, you know, positive thinking. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. It is genuinely real in the sense that we are really here. Okay, this is not just happening in the imagination of God. Sorry, Bishop O'Leary or whatever your name is, right? Uh, we, we, but we are, we are really here. But there are two worlds that exist, and one is permanent and one is temporary. And your faith has given you access to the one that is permanent in order to escape the one that is temporary. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to this verse. But Hebrews 6.19, and I already have it typed out here, but I'm just going to turn to it so that way we're, we're together. We can, I mean, there's a, there's a great, great uh, sequence of words in Hebrews chapter 6. I mean, it, I, I don't even try and summarize it because there, there's just too much to it, but, but he's talking about the, the promise of God that was made to Abraham and how this thing began. And in verse 19, and he comes down to this, and he talks about the, the promise and the covenant and how it's based on things that can't be changed because it's based on God. But this is what it says. This hope we have as an anchor of our, of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence through the veil, which enters the, the hope that we have. I mean, you've got to get this. The hope that you have is the means through which you experience eternity. The hope that you have reaches through the veil. Oh, why is is this important? I live in the real world, you say. (laughs) Your ability to influence the real world is based on your access to the other world. 
I gave this analogy before, and I'll throw it out again. That on a website, you know, you can, you can go on a website, and you might be able to do things, you know, on the surface. But if you really want to fundamentally change that website, you need to go to the back end of the website, into the coding world. The, the, that, that visible part exists because of an invisible part. And you can do, you, there's a certain functionality that's permitted... Okay, you can click on things and you can open menus and you can type your, you know, some things in certain fields in a website. But, but that functionality is not being done right there. It's being done behind the scenes. That, that, what you, that to actually fundamentally change the construct of this, you have to go behind the veil and you have to reach in behind here. And this is the picture that we have for the kingdom of God. That God has said, listen, when you became born again, I made you spiritually alive to me. I gave you a capacity to touch the realm where I am. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said God is spirit. And he's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Because he's saying the kingdom of God is coming to the earth, but it is a spiritual kingdom. And it is invading this present realm. But it is being invaded by those who know how to connect beyond the veil. And so I use simple illustrations like, you know, when you're singing a song, are you more oriented around the words of the song and the melody or the life of God that happens to be flowing through the conduit that is words and sounds? See, there's two things going on. Which one are you more aware of? Which one? Now, oh yeah, but... When I listen to that song, it blesses me so much. Here's what blesses you. Okay. If there's really an eternal blessing, if there's really something that touches your spirit and transforms your soul in an experience that you have through a song, it's not the song. No more than it's that, you know, when you take an aspirin, that it's that plastic thing or, you know, a Tylenol, the plastic coating around the thing. The medicine inside the plastic coating is what heals your body. What makes you feel better? Not the plastic coating. And the songs we sing are the outer, you know, outer things that you can see, feel, and touch, but they aren't the stuff that gives you life. And so there is this gradual increase of faith where you begin to orient more around the thing that's actually the source of life and not the outer thing that you see, feel, and touch. So, Father, I pray today for those that are here, for those that are watching, in Jesus' name, that a new revelation of the invisible realm will come upon the people of God. That as we begin to worship, that steadily from this time forward, we'll begin to interact with that which is beyond the veil more and more and more. Because when we begin to do that, Saints, people of God, when we begin to do that, then that invisible realm will begin to materialize in a more concrete way. And what determines the amount of the presence of God in a room like this when we worship is how many people in the room are drawing on the invisible and how many are just singing the songs and interacting with the visible and hoping to get, if I could just squeeze some kind of blessing out of this. You know, and some people get to the place where they, you know, I'm not, church isn't cutting it for me anymore. You know why? 
Because God, for a season, allowed you to gain some benefit out of the visible realm, but he's trying to bring you into contact with the invisible realm. And so he's weaning you off of a lesser food in order to give you something more substantial. And the reason why church isn't cutting it for you anymore is not because church has changed, but God is trying to shift the source of your life, the source of your nourishment, the source of your strength. He's moving it from a more visible arena to an invisible arena. Now, you think, well, I thought this was about finances. <laughs> well, well, it kind of is. But this is, what I, this is the mystery that I, that I feel like there, there's something here. And I'm hoping that it'll change your idea about work. I'm hoping it'll change your idea about money. I'm hoping it'll change your idea about wealth. So, Father, we pray. Can you, can you pull? Because there's a revelation to be had today. There's a revelation to be had today about the, the, the nature of wealth, the nature of the world in which we live, the nature of, uh, of where every good thing actually comes from. And if we could actually see this today, if we could get a revelation, if something of our hearts would focus, refocus on the invisible realm, we, you can never go back. You can never go back. So, what is the connection? The connection is here. It, uh, it started, uh, I guess, a few weeks ago. I'd, I had had glimpses of this before. But a week and a half ago at the School of the Spirit, I, be, I said something about wealth and money. And I, I said, I can't remember how I phrased it. But essentially, I said, your problem or our problem is this. We think our jobs are the source of our income. We think our jobs are the source, or our work, or our effort, or the time we put in, or the energy we expend doing things. We think that those are actually the source of what we get. When we get a paycheck, and, and, and here's the thing, is that it kind of looks that way. <laughs> it kind of looks that way until... You can reach behind the veil. Until you can reach behind the veil. Oh man. Let me, let me tell you. There's something here. There's something here. That every businessman. Every entrepreneur here. Everyone who has a, a small business to a big company. Everybody who works for a living. Anybody who doesn't work for a living. You know who, who is self-supported with investments and things like that. All, let me tell you. Because people think, oh, yeah, you guys, you know, faith is important when we're doing Christian things. But when we're not doing Christian things, what's the importance of faith? Let me tell you, faith is what makes the world go around. And this is the picture I got. I, I, I was in Africa and I was in India some time ago. And I started to see this, this contrast between how wealth is generated in these places versus here. And, of course, we know this. I mean, you got all this social action going on today where people are saying, yeah, the problem is, is the West has all the wealth, right? Have you heard that? Have you seen that out there? And so somebody decided what we need to do is take wealth from the West and bring it to the East, let's say. We need to give it to those who don't have it. And, you know, there is a, there is a responsibility for those that are wealthy to help the poor. But let me tell you, that's actually not the answer to the problem. We need to help. 
We need to do, be generous. We need to give, and we do give, and etc., etc. But what is missing? The difference between a place where they're working harder than you are, they're working 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, and they're making pennies a month. The difference between that world and this world is not the jobs. It's not the technology. It's not the governmental system. It's not the social network. The difference is this. Are you ready for it? Faith. The difference is faith. And I, I know they're just like, you know, for some reason, like, how, how is the difference faith? Let me try. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, this is so fun. This is so fun. Let me, let me read a verse for you. James 1.17. You know what James 1.17 says? It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Wow. Uh, how's that? How can that be the case if I, got a, if I got something from Santa Claus, right? How can that be the case if I receive something from the hand of another person? Like, you know, does the fact that there's a natural coinciding event dismiss a spiritual reality? No, it doesn't. It's just a question of what, what elements of the dynamic of wealth creation are in your vision and which ones are not? Let me paint a picture from you. If God is the source of everything good, and he lives in this invisible realm, and he, he opens his hand, it says in the Psalms, and satisfies the need of every living thing. I mean, God is consummate life and supply and goodness. And if there's anything good at all in creation... It has its continuous supply from him. But, you know, the, on the path from things going from heaven to earth, God has a delivery system. And that delivery system has two parts to it. There's the invisible part and there's a visible part. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter. If you, if you order something from Amazon, we know it doesn't just magically appear, you know, on our doorstep. There's actually a delivery system, right, along the way. Now, if you don't understand this system, you might, you might think, hey, this is magic. I did this thing on the Internet, and boom, they, it materialized on my front porch. There's a box there that somebody's trying to steal. <laughs> but there, I got this thing. No, we know it has its origin not you know, five feet from my front step, not a mile from my front step, but probably some factory in Taiwan or China or Turkey or something like that. And it's made its way through a delivery system to here. But we know that its original uh, uh, existence was not on our front porch. But what if you couldn't see past your front porch? What if you had no ability to, to, or depth of perception beyond that? Then in your mind... This is where everything originates from. Let me tell you. Faith. Are you ready? Faith reaches in past the veil. 
Faith reaches in past the veil. Here's the, here's the connection. Because, because faith enables you to reach and to see into God's delivery system for wealth. It's the question is, how, how deep does your faith see? How deep does your faith see? And if your faith only sees as far as your job, then you believe your job is the source of your wealth. You believe this, your job, you know, because, well, that's the natural explanation. You know, I work so many hours, I get paid by the hour, and therefore, that's where my money comes from. And so my eyes and my focus and my dependency is upon that. And you know, if you can't see through the veil, you're stuck with that. If you actually don't know that every good gift comes from above, you have no other place to fix your confidence on. You can only look at the delivery of services. And so you are stuck in a world. It's like being stuck looking at a website and you want to change the fundamental dynamics of how this website works, but you think, I can't change it. These are the only things I can change. But a programmer says, wait a minute. I can reach in through the veil. I can reach in past the things. You're stuck there because you don't understand. You're stuck there because you can't see. You're stuck there because you don't have the tools to go behind the veil. But I, as a Christian, I have access beyond the veil. Faith, our hope, the anchor for our soul, reaches beyond the veil. (laughs) I'm telling you, God's delivery system. You see, when you look at places like India or Africa, where they're working way harder than you and getting way less. That the difference between them is not the delivery system in the natural, but the delivery system in the spirit. Is that faith causes you to be connected to the ultimate source. Unbelief causes you to be connected to a point in God's delivery system that is less than the ultimate source. And so because you do that, there's, no, there's not the same blessing. See, faith causes the hand of God to open and satisfy the need of every living thing. And the reason why the West has become so wealthy is not because, you know, they've, they, well, they've just hoarded all the wealth. No. No. Don't believe that. That is a demonic spirit that believes that. You know, the, the, the present knowledge today that is driving, you know, the, the political left, and the whole hatred of the Western Hemisphere. There's no, this is just not fair. This is just not fair that they have more. You know what? Take it up with God. And it doesn't, again, doesn't mean we can't be generous. Doesn't mean we don't have some responsibility. We always do. But let me tell you, God is not fair. God is not fair in the sense that he doesn't give the same thing to everyone. And you just have to read the Bible to see that's the case. You know, this egalitarian, communist, everybody shares the same amount is not a kingdom paradigm. 
You need to realize that anything that's trying to be implemented that isn't equal to a kingdom paradigm is from another source. So anything socially, administratively, politically that's trying to be implemented in our world that is not equal to God's system is based on a demonic mindset. And that's why we have a political perspective about delivery of services for our government, etc., because we want it to line up to what we know works. And what we know works is God's ways. Oh. Touching that political spirit. Suddenly, in Jesus' name, we declare the mind of God, the knowledge of God, the biblical order of the kingdom of God will circumvent every other system in Jesus' name. Every other system brings death, mayhem, destruction, and confusion. But God's ways bring order and blessing out of chaos. The reason why the West is so blessed is not because they've stolen the wealth from every other uh, part of the world. It's because wealth comes from God. And one of the verses we're going to go to is this. Is, you know, God is talking to Israel. And he says, listen, when you come into the land and when you begin to have houses and when you begin to have lands and when you begin to have a seemingly self-perpetuating economic system, Right When you seem to find a source for your income and your money that is not directly me, don't forget this one thing. It's I that gives you the power to create wealth. Can 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 you see? Faith reaches past the veil. You see, there, what, what constricts your money-earning power today is faith. The absence of or the presence of unbelief. And I'm going to talk in a minute about the nature of unbelief and what unbelief does. But I'm telling you, there's a plateau. I mean, we're coming up into something we're starting to see, wow, my source isn't, you know, that company that shall be named, remain nameless. It's not my, well, you know, my nine to five efforts. It's not, well, if I just put in a few more hours. You know, and there's nothing wrong with being diligent. There's nothing wrong with putting in a few more hours. And, and you know, part of the liberty that God brings to us, it, it begins to bring us that. But essentially, this is the, the issue, is that, the kingdom of God and the life of God at work inside of you and you connecting to the source that is God is liberating you from a curse. And the curse is this. The curse is an orientation around that which is not the source of life. So basically, when uh, let me read this for you. In Genesis, in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this is what they did. They had been oriented completely around God up to that moment, right? They, I mean, they met with God in the cool of the day. And when they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their focal point for their life moved from God to themselves, okay? Their orientation came off of God and onto themselves. And they think, well, this is great. Now we're independent. Now we can know good and evil. Now we can, you know do whatever and be productive and, and you know, get the rewards of our own, our own efforts. 
And God said, yeah, but you misunderstand. Everything, every blessing, your effort, and there was effort before the fall. They were in the garden. They were tilling the the garden and keeping the garden. But he said, all of your efforts before were supplied by me. And the productivity that came out of your efforts was because you had a direct connection to the one from whom every good thing comes from. But when you ate of that other tree, you changed your source. You moved off of me onto something that cannot generate life and blessing. And so this is what he said. He said, now, here's what you've done. Here's the outcome of that. Because you did that, cursed is the ground for your sake. Not because I'm cursing it, but because you have departed from the life that made the ground not cursed. You have actually invited a force into the earth by your decision that is not life. It's actually death. And when you invited death in, this is what death does. You understand? God is not punitive in a sense, but he is consequential. Right? He does visit upon us consequences so that we can discern sources. Right? That's what wisdom is all about. Wisdom is, is a knowledge of sources or causes. And so it says, he says this, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. In other words, I, I used, there was a blessing, there was a dynamic where I, was, I had this delivery service that was seamless and easy between me and the earth. And now you've cut that off and now you're going to go and all you have is the earth now. You don't have the blessing behind the veil. All you have the earth. Now when you go to bring a yield from that earth, it won't bring a yield the way it did before. Why? Because I'm missing. My life is not flowing through you to draw from the earth in the same way it was before. Can you see that? So this is what he says. All, all, of you, all the days of your life, it's going to be like this. Thorns and thistles, it's going to yield for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. Okay, yeah. You'll, you'll actually get something from the earth. But here's, here's the deal. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. He's saying, listen, because you have shifted your orientation away from the true source of life and every good and perfect gift, and you've actually decided that the originating point for everything that I eat from will be closer to me, that is now your orientation. And that is what unbelief is. Unbelief is the condition of man where we, our effort, our toil, our energy, our hours of the day, our ingenuity, our, that these are the only source. And so rather than having the hand that opens with amazing creative power, a breath that would just cause everything to blossom and grow and flourish effortlessly. Rather than that, the whole death is operating in your world and you will have to fight to keep death from 
from consuming everything you have. And you'll only be able to succeed to do that in measures according to your gifting and according to your effort. And so he's saying, listen, he said, that's the system that you have bought into. And it's, it's causing everything to come under that, from your effort to your creativity to your idea about where wealth comes from. And you think wealth comes from the efforts of your... And what happened... Oh, no, I'm getting out of my, ahead of myself. Oh, he said, listen, I can deliver you from that. Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, listen, if you by faith would shift the source of wealth creation, of satisfaction, of life from you and what you can generate and actually connect to eternal life, then something will begin to flow to you that can never come out of death. Wow. You say, well, well, then how come, how does that work out in our life? Well, you draw on the source closer or further from that life based on your faith. What do you see? Can you see what I see? Ah, Father, give us an ability to see. You see, this is what, this is what the Lord was saying to Israel in, I think it's an Exodus, I didn't put down the reference, but it says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your father as it is this day. Faith draws on the true source of wealth. Faith draws on the, the, the place from which wealth actually comes. See, if you're stuck on this earth, one of the things that you understand and Hopefully, it's not confusing to us, but there's this dynamic around the first and second laws of thermodynamics. It has to do with the amount of energy already resident in, in the universe. And the, the two law, there's two laws, basically this, that the amount of energy that's resident within creation is finite. Say finite. finite. That means there's no more being added. Okay? That the nature of creation is there's a set amount... And there's no more to be had. Well, that would be like, you know, if there's a set amount of food, okay, and you, and you go to the table because you're living in, out of finite income and you've got 12 kids in your family and you're the youngest, you know, and you, you go to the table and it's like, it's all gone before you, well, that's it, there's no more. There's no more to draw from. And so how do we make this fair? How to make it workable? Well, we just try and distribute it more evenly. And that's the common sense approach to when you're living out of a finite amount. And that's what the leftist politically mindseted people who don't believe in God, that's what they want to do. Well, we have a finite amount of resources. And so we just, if we just distribute them equitably, it'll all work. And God is saying, no, you're working within a closed system and you don't understand that, that you can reach outside of the veil. That faith reaches outside of the veil. That the, though the, in creation, because of the death principle, there's only so much energy available and that energy is going, this is the second law of thermodynamics, from a higher form to a lesser form. In other words, there's constant degradation of the energy forms that are there. It's finite and it's decreasing. That's the law. 
of, of simple law of energy. And it ties into the law of sin and death because God is saying, listen, I am the source. And if you, by faith, can begin to be anchored in me instead of this closed system, then I can create wealth. I can generate wealth. You, it'll come seemingly out of nowhere if you believe. So he says, the distraction is this. The distraction, you guys have been walking with me in the wilderness and you are existing quite fine, thank you. Maybe the same variety of food is not there, but manna every day. Soles on your feet are not wearing out. I mean, you are, you're existing, but I'm going to, and you see that I'm the source. You see that I'm the sustaining power of your existence. You see that right now. But when you go into the land and when you begin to implement systems of wage paying and, and you know, grass cutting and selling it and, 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 and grains and cattle and the rest of it, once that system starts to grow and becomes sophisticated, your focus and your sense that the blessing that I have is based on how I've bought into these things, you can begin to shift in your confidence that this is why I don't have enough. The the reason I don't have enough, I don't have enough cows. The reason I don't have, I don't have enough land. And God is saying, no, escape that system. Look past that system. Faith reaches through the veil. I'll give you power. To get wealth. Hallelujah. So, unbelief is simply this. Unbelief is an orientation, a confidence in something less than him. That's why Paul says, we are the circumcision of God who put no confidence in the flesh. And he was saying that not in the context of money, He was saying it in the context of righteousness. He was basically saying the same rules apply to righteousness. That you're standing before me can either buy that you do all the right things. If you, if you, if you, you know, figure out how religion and faith and worship works in the context of a finite world. If you do all the things as seen in this limited realm, and then you'll, you have confidence that you have a place or a measure or authority with God. He's saying, no, we're not that kind of circumcision. We're connected outside of that system, and our righteousness doesn't come from our performance within that system, but our righteousness comes from beyond the veil. Our righteousness comes because the Son of God poured out blood on the mercy seat. And my standing before God is forever riveted in the fact that Jesus made propitiation for my sin. And to the degree that I actually believe this, I cannot experience shame. The degree that I believe that, I don't experience uh, fear that the wrath of God or the displeasure of God can separate me from Him. Because it's already paid. It doesn't mean I ignore what's happening here. It just changes the way I interact with what's happening here. So unbelief. Uh, keeps us from seeing, A, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
the practical thing about this, because, well, yeah, how does that work when, when I'm a policeman or I'm a fireman or, or I'm a contractor and I, you know, X amount of dollars is what I make? Well, so, see, that's the system you're in right now. And that's maybe where your obedience to the Lord is calling you to be right now. But when you are a son, when you are a son and not a slave, you are participant, you are owner, you have shares in the whole company. And as a son, you might have a role in the company. You know, head of sales or manufacturing or, you know, chief bottle washer, whatever it is. But your inheritance and your, your, the amount of wealth you got is not contingent upon your effort. Your effort is your faithfulness within a company that you own. So the, the amount of assets you have is not dictated upon your effort. Your effort is just faithfulness because you care about the company. And the system that's in place, we participate in it because we care about what it produces because it's part of actually creating a world that's, that can be inhabited and, and a blessing. But, but that's not really where my wealth comes from. That's not really where my ass is. And if in your heart and mind, you, your sense of confidence is not on the amount of labor you put in, but the fact that you are a son, you are freed from the limitations of a wage. Well, when does that kick in? Well, we don't decide that, but let me tell you, as you believe more, it starts to kick in from imagine, unimaginable places. And it might be an idea. It might be a change of faithfulness in the system, or it might be that God has decided, well, I'm going to give you an idea that nobody's ever heard of, and that idea will create a system that will actually begin to, you know, out of nothing. Google came out of nothing. Apple came out of nothing. Right? So many of the, the tech firms that are brand new and generating so much wealth today, where do they come out of? Nothing. Their ideas. They start as an idea, and as they're implemented, they create a system. But it was the idea, the knowledge of it, that is actually the catalyst for the wealth. And the knowledge of it always comes from behind the veil. You see, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And even unsaved people get ideas from God. And when then they, then they believe that they are the source of that wealth. Well, you know, I went and worked and I did this and I did this. And how dare God ask me for 10%? See, no, 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 you don't understand. Your faithful labor in the system does not negate the fact that it all comes from me. And if I want 10% back, you are a thief because it's all mine. That's why tithing is so important. Tithing, uh, faith releases you to tithe because it's an acknowledgement that every good and perfect thing comes from above. Financial giving, and, and it, is, it is the natural outcome of actually believing that we are not locked into a finite system and our, our money is not coming from our work. It only looks like it is if you don't believe. Is that making sense? Now, unbelief says that if you can identify a natural factor, then no supernatural triggers or elements matter. Now, this is very important for us to understand. 
that the, the, the way unbelief works in the psyche of men is that, is that men will negate or nullify or dismiss any aspect of supernatural if a natural uh, condition can be connected to an event. In other words, we see in the scripture that the ravens, the ravens fed Elijah. Supernatural, right? Yeah, God commanded. I mean, the Bible said that God commanded the ravens to feed them, right? So, but that's in the invisible realm. The guy who's in unbelief can only see the visible. So what is he doing? He's looking for proof that the invisible doesn't exist by trying to see a natural pattern. Well, no, no, that wasn't really supernatural because if you understand the birds' population of that era and the fact that they were in a drought and the wind currents from off the Mediterranean and the rest of that, you know that the natural migratory patterns of ravens would have caused them to bring the food there because that is their default storehouse when this kind of uh, a weather condition Idiots. They can't see through the veil. And they think that because they can come up with an explanation that makes sense to them here, there is nothing on the other side of the website window they're staring into. (laughs) Because I understand the user vantage point of a website, therefore there's nothing on the other side. That's what unbelief says. And unbelief wants to snare you and lock you into a system that is at its core, death. It causes you shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic, living within a finite, decreasing share. And God is saying, ah, if you only knew. If you only knew. If I could just connect your heart to the source of life. If I could just connect you to the source. Let me tell you, there are people in this room that God would like to give millions to. Okay? And if you could tap into this mindset, all right, you could be a vehicle for fueling. And when you understand that everything good can give comes from above, you can give half your income away and you don't feel like you've done any great thing. Right? Because I didn't do that. Well, yeah, but you started the company, you did this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's the visible part. What you don't see is where it really came from. I do. Therefore, it's no, no problem for me to let go of it. Last thing I want to say this is that, that, that reaching through the veil is the evidence of sonship. Reaching through the veil is the evidence that you are participating in, a, in the company and you aren't just a hired slave. And there's an expectation and a mindset that comes with that. And, and to the slave, that mindset appears to be presumptuous and arrogant and overly bold. But that's what the blood of Jesus gives us. It gives us boldness to enter in where slaves cannot. It gives us a, a confidence to access the blessing of our Father. And the, 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 the uh, audacity to say, even though I'm limited to this in the natural what I see, I'm going to give financially past what this represents because I know that that is a part of what anchors my heart beyond the veil. That's why it says give and it shall be given. Because when, it's kind of like speaking. When you speak 
things, it directs you. When you give, right, out, out of faith, when you give beyond your means, right, like the woman, the widow's might, you demonstrate that you are trying to anchor yourself. Even if it's an effort, even if it's a sacrifice, even if it's just an obedience at this point, you don't really see beyond the veil. You're actually making every effort to be anchored beyond the veil. There's a liberty to be had in the area of finances, in the area of vocation, in the area of things that God wants to bring through you. And faith is the key to unlock all, all of these things. So I want you to pray with me, and I want our worship team to come up. We're going to sing one song. But uh, I, I want you to hold on to this word. There's something here, man. There's something to this that uh, there's, a, there's a realm that, that you can be fixed to in your life. There's a realm that God wants you to connect to. And it doesn't mean you suddenly give up your day job because your day job can just be your, your obedience for now, which is a part of being a son. In the, you know, he says, seek the welfare of the city in which you dwell. And the city needs roads, and the city needs sidewalks, and the city needs... The systems are fine. There's nothing wrong. God is not against the systems. No more than he was against Israel raising cattle. He was just trying to tell them, listen, cattle is not your source. I'm your source. Your job is not really your source. I'm your source. The number of hours that you can work is not your source. I'm your source. I'm your source. I'm your source. I'm your source. And as you believe that, a world of possibilities, a world of possibilities begins to open. What if, what if faith can bring you into that Adamic scenario where Adam walked with God and the world around him just cooperated? Are you tired of running into roadblocks? What if there was a measure of the presence of God that it could invade the administrative dynamics of your company so that suddenly things just started to work smoothly. Do you know how much financial loss is because of the friction of dysfunction and the dropping of balls and the administrative losses? Do you know, what if those were disrupted by spiritual darkness and those things could just be moved out of the way by the invisible hand of God? What if suddenly, out of the same effort, out of the same function, out of the same bids, out of the same hours, you suddenly brought a yield 20, 30, 40% greater than what you did before on contracts and work? What about, I mean, this is God's intent. And God has been doing this for generations. It's just a question of who's reaching through the veil. Ah. Yeah. Huh.